This is Dividend Talk, episode 52, our first one-year anniversary. Yo, yo, yo! Welcome back to another Dividend Talk show. This is episode 52 and it means our first anniversary. I'm your co-host European DJI and today I'm joined with Engineer My Freedom, but not him alone, also some of our most favorite loyal listeners. So let's get ready. This is a special episode, so let's jump straight in. See you on the inside. Yo, EMF, how are you doing, mate? Oh, I'm good, I'm good. It's good to have you back. It was, uh, you were on vacation last week. How was that? Well, really good. And uh, it was actually really awkward to listen to the Dividend Talk show, but I think Phil did an awesome job last week. And I learned something about the wheel strategy. So I, want, I was looking for some stocks this week to uh, see where I could apply it. So, But I need to get back to him for some stock recommendations, actually, because uh, I would love to try it, but <laughs> everything feels so expensive at the moment. <laughs> yeah, Phil, Phil did an awesome job standing in. Um, he's here tonight, along with a whole host of our Dividend Day crew. I'm so excited about this show, our first year anniversary. We're live, which is kind of nerve-wracking. We've got so many people looking at us right now, smiling, so hopefully they can understand me and everything is going okay, but I mean, Thank you all for showing up. This is, I mean, I never would have thought this would have happened, what, 52 shows ago. So this is going to be a good one. Super. So, and uh, because this is a special show, we also have a special agenda. Uh, we'll not give up everything at the start because we want people to stick on to the show and listen till the end. So, and there's only good stuff coming on later, guys, So, our, our ladies. So please hang on. But we'll start with uh, one of our listeners, Richard, because he wanted to do the rapid fire questions on us. So I'm really curious to what he brings up. Hey, Richard, how are you doing? Hi, guys. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for having us on the show. And everybody else is, is here as well. It's good to, to see and hear and speak to everybody. And it's an honor to be on the show. So tell us, uh, who will be your first victim then for today? Well, I thought I could ask one question and both of you could give your answer. Maybe you could go first, EMF. Okay. Um, you've done this to many guests, so you should know how it goes. Yes, and I'm slightly nervous, so now I know how they feel. <laughs> Netflix or Disney Plus? Netflix. High dividend yield or high dividend growth? High dividend growth. On the beach? Or by the pool in ireland by the pool <laughs> tech or consumer staples uh, tech and who is going to win the euros oh i have france in my buster but i hope england win correct answer <laughs> yes um european dgi do you want to do the same questions yes yeah, sure Netflix or Disney Plus? Disney Plus. High dividend yield or high dividend growth rate? High dividend growth. On the beach or by the pool? On the beach. Tech or consumer staples? Consumer staples. And who is going to win the Euros? 
Netherlands. <laughs> you have to say that. You have to. I, I come on. There's, you know, they have Fra Frankie de Jong. They have. For the rest, there's not much there, but he he will do it all along. <laughs> so yeah, he, and he plays at Barcelona. So I hope there's some goodwill from the Spanish folks as well. They have a good chance this year. So EMF, is there anything uh, you want to get back to uh, based on your answers? Any regrets in your answers? I mean, I was a little bit harsh on the beach question. Ireland has some lovely, lovely beaches. We just don't have lovely weather to go to those beaches. <laughs> so if, if the sun was shining, I'd say beach all day long. But when it's cold and raining, I prefer to be heated in, in by a pool. Nice one. Cool. Thanks a million for those questions. <laughs> I was actually nervous about them. I didn't know what you're going to ask, but they were nice and easy and eased our way into it. So thanks a million for that, Richard. No problem. Nothing too taxing. Thanks, guys. <laughs> so what we might do is chat EDGI a little bit about our top three memories, um, and then we'll, we'll get on to the guys here and we'll get them to ask us some questions. So do you want to go first with your one of your favorite memories over the last year? Well, there are quite a lot, I must say, but of course the first show, right? I remember doing the first show where we, we were just wondering, like, is anybody actually going to listen here? <laughs> Suddenly we uh, put it on Twitter and, and Phil started responding and felt like, hey, we had a listener. So that was really, really uh, uh, cool. And I, I could indeed not imagine that we would be now 52 shows further. But other than that, I really enjoyed um, the show episode number 12 with Investment Talk because that was for me really a masterclass. Uh, you know, we're often talking about our experience and sharing it. But in this case, I was just making notes all the time with how he was mentioning, talking about how to value growth stocks and all these kinds of things. So I really enjoyed that one from a learning perspective. But then also what I really liked was when we did the Munich RE, the stock analysis, because it was the first time I think we did a stock analysis. We both were not really familiar with insurance companies. So I remember how we were doing our homework, comparing yeah. our notes. So I really felt like we were really a, a good team there, which was really nice to, um, uh, to, to experience. I think, of course, the highlight when it comes to to one of the shows was also the two shows of Ian Lopuk, who joined. I mean, uh, there was so much wealth of information in there and it was really, really good to hear his journey because we mostly know him from YouTube, from, from the analysis that he does. But we really got a little bit of an insight into his brains and, and into his journey uh, so far. So I found it really inspiring as well. But I must say, uh, usually I like the discussions that's with you the most about, for instance, uh, Walgreens Boots Alliance. I remember uh, when the stock was down around the bottom and you didn't know whether it was the bottom at the time and you, your conviction about it. And, and you had several of such stocks during the year. I remember the same with Intel. I know you sold Intel later, so it's really interesting also to get your perspective on that, looking back on this, how that evolved. But also Cisco, because you're an engineer and you love this stuff. I just know that nobody wants to use a Cisco phone anymore. So that that's that's also where we differ in our, I yeah. said in our, in our perspective on some stocks, right? Because it's more like Peter Lynch. We know what we use. And we know also what we don't use anymore. And even if it's just five percent of their portfolios, it still puts our uh, uh, how you say it perspective on a certain uh, company. Um, but but you know we also had a lot of fun this year. So I remember your wife uh, sending the intro one time, and we just <laughs> chipped it in to uh, surprise her. Yeah. Um, 
but also i remember we had one episode i think it was episode 15 and we were just laughing all the time and i remember that there is an issue with european stocks right we're all not not native english so we, we we need to pronounce some stocks like diagio or diagio or diagio it, it's almost impossible uh, with some of the stock names or uh, I remember, I think it was Phil was uh, telling me, like, I should pronounce Danone different. I always thought, like, my whole life, it's Danone. And suddenly someone starts telling me, no, 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 uh, European DJI, it's Danone. So all these kinds of awkward names that we need to deal with, it's it's also making uh, it quite funny on the show here. Yeah, I, I believe I pronounced Diageo, like, three or four different ways in the same episode. <laughs> it's just, I, <laughs> exactly. I didn't know which way to pronounce it, so... We kind of roll with that. And even some of the, the listeners that write us questions, I have to try and pronounce their names. I just, I don't know. I make it up as I go along and, and just say something fast so it's like their name and hopefully I get away with it. But isn't so, it, so, uh, isn't it yeah. Kalin or it's Salin or it's Salin or Kalin that we always uh, struggle the most with? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I just say uh, Kalin now. Keep yeah. it easy. But he's here today, so uh, it should be good now. He can he can teach us later in the show to finally really get it uh, straight out for us. Yeah, it has been. I remember doing that episode with my wife. Uh, it was a joke, so she sent it to me on WhatsApp, joking with me, and I played it to European DJ. He was like, "Let's use that," and we did. And I played it for the next day, and she, I've never been able to embarrass my wife with anything. She's great, crack. But she went scarlet red. Was embarrassed. It was the best moment of my life. At that time, I was like, I finally got her. Yes. <laughs> what it was, happy uh, wife, happy life. Happy wife, happy life. That's that's what they say. I tried to speak Dutch. I tried to speak German unsuccessfully on both occasions. I must add, but I still tried. Um, the IBM rant, rants, plural there, is, is amazing. It's almost guaranteed now. Um, every episode, it's 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 pretty funny but some one of one of my fondest memories was actually not what we recorded it was one of our well the first dividend day when it was me you and phil and we had a dividend day quiz right and i wrote 50 percent of these questions and phil still beat me <laughs> <laughs> so and then we had another day then obviously with intel and the bob swan uh we had a couple of us dividend waivers there as well and I remember after hours we were watching Intel drop ten percent, and the reaction from everybody was was crazy. So some some really good memories. You're back at the napkin calculations. Always stick with me. It's like ah, oh, I've run a back at napkin calculation. It's this really in depth calculation of how you come up with your fair value for Danone or whoever it is. So some some really good learnings from you. I have to say you've you've taught me a lot. Your Dutch directness, which you, which you warned me about, to be to be fair, was was quite apparent. But you also bring that out of me. You you always tell me, come on, tell me straight, and 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 force me to to give an opinion and not sit in the fence. So, it's been definitely a learning curve for me over the whole year, and I've enjoyed every single minute of it. Yeah, likewise here, and I think the learning because it's it's uh, you learn a lot right because we do a lot of homework before a show it's not like uh, we just rent a little bit out of our neck i don't know how you say this in english but there's always a lot of preparation going on for the show and uh, this actually is the same as as writing content for your blog right mm. you do it try to do it as good as possible so it's 
a lot of fact checking, a lot of 10Ks, press releases to really understand what's written there. So, and, and that I think makes us all better investors as well. And I can really see that in my portfolio. I think the some of the things I bought, uh, like Alda has and such, after all the homework uh, and, and such, I wouldn't have been able to do that with, without this podcast and the blogging uh, on top of it. But all the, also all the stock recommendations we get uh, um, from people, either via questions or via direct messages, have also been really, really helpful. Cool. So, so they are some of our memories. We, we, have, we have loads, but we might open this up to the community and get some questions or maybe share what you like or don't like or share your experiences with us. Phil, first as usual. Hi guys, it's nice to be back here and uh, happy dividend talk anniversary to all of you. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Yeah, I have um, actually a first question about the show. Was there any moment where you thought like, oh no, I cannot do this on a weekly pace? No, um, honestly, it, it hasn't. We, we've both had periods, I feel that we've been busy and we might lean on the other person a little bit more through the preparation. Uh, European DJI did most of it this week, for example. Um, but I've never had the thought, oh, I can't do this in a week. It's, it's something I look forward to, actually. And, and we go out of our way to schedule around. If we can't do it on a Friday night, we do it Thursday or Saturday morning. So I don't think um, it's something that I would like to miss anytime soon. Yeah, same here. It's uh, the standard Friday evening. It's replaced a little bit date night, but that's okay. So it's rather managing the uh, the the other half uh, at home. So that's now Saturday. Um, other than that, no. It's really looking forward to, and it really it's also something like you know you know it's the end of the week. So on the Friday at work, um, I already start looking forward at what will we talk about tonight. And uh, yeah, no, it's really something to look forward to and. It's amazing that it's already a year because I still feel like we just started. So it's it's still like from and my mind is still in the early days. So there's still a lot of content uh, also to talk about. I think. Thanks, Phil. Nice question. Who would like to uh, uh, to be next? Kevin, you're up. Hello, guys. So uh, this Tuesday uh, there were inflation rates in the U.S. showing, uh, and they showed average results pleasing the market. Uh, if they weren't so pleasing and uh, there were dips in the market, uh, what would you have bought, both of you, and why? I would definitely uh, look into my uh, top 10 stocks um, in my tier one uh, in my portfolio. So I've got classified tier one to tier two. Probably I would like to go further on onto Ahold. I would like to build out the position fully um, because I think with the current yield already, it gives me a nice reinvestment opportunity. So I would definitely um, double down on Ahold. I'm, I think, on half uh, position at the moment, so I still have a long way to go. And I'm afraid that Ahold at a certain moment will fly away from me uh, around, uh, let's say, the 22 euro. It's now around, what is it, 24 and a half? So I don't think I will get a lot of opportunities to still buy at that price. So I would definitely double down on Ahold because companies like Microsoft and Apple, they really, really need to either uh, start hiking their dividend in larger amounts or there needs to be really a deep crisis for me to start really doubling down on those. Yeah, I would have likened to add to probably Johnson Johnson, which is one of my top companies, but I'm under, I have an, not enough of them at the moment. So 
I'm hoping for a large dip on them and maybe 3M as well. Two companies that I'm, I feel like I need more, more shares of. I was expecting actually worse results from US inflation. I was expecting a little bit of a dip, but the market seemed to disagree with me as usual and went the other way. Nice question. I think we have Tiago here. Hi, Tiago. Welcome today. Hello, everyone. Um, the question that I have is about home country bias. So you're European. Well, we all <laughs> are here, I think. And um, we live and work in Europe and are exposed to the European economy in that way. And in addition to that, you're also primarily investing in European companies. So my question is, are you not concerned about home country bias? And if so, or if not, uh, what are you doing to avoid it? So actually for me, it's really not an uh, issue, Tiago, because I actually had a US bias and the bias was based on the news that I read because if you start investing, you go to Seeking Alpha, some of the famous bloggers, they are all US based almost. So my, my initial portfolio in the early days was almost 100% um, uh, US. So actually I started to move away from, from that towards European based to have more, more diversification also geographically. And actually, I put a tweet uh, this week on there about US versus Europe. And you can say that the stock market in Europe, the Eurostock 600, hardly moved or moved nothing over 20 years. Yeah, uh, from from thousand. If you invest a thousand, would have been thousand fifty now over 20 years, while the the US uh, more than doubled. So I think it's really important to just think about general geographic diversification. And if you think about home country, and I would assume. Poland is my home now. I've got nothing from Poland. But I do have some uh, bias towards the Netherlands, probably, with familiarity with, uh, as an example, Albert Heijn from Aholt and such. So there are some, but it's uh, really a small part of my portfolio. Um, but if I look at other investors around me that I also know from the past, they're maybe not dividend investors. Yes, there's a lot of home, home bias. Uh, because of the news they read, uh, the communities they are in. So I think it is something that is real for many people, but I, I would encourage everyone to look a little bit over the fence and uh, look at what great stuff is all out there in the world. Yeah, I, I would feel that home bias is more prominent in US investors. They, they don't seem to stretch too far outside of, of the US, and, and rightly so, because we all know that they've outperformed Europe. European investors, the ones that I know, most of us do have some sort of positions in the US. And of course, that's because of what we read and, and every book that you buy is US based, but also the dividend policy. Let's be fair, in Europe, it goes by percentages, maybe 20 to 40% of free cash flow, et cetera, which creates volatility in, 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 bad, in bad markets. Whereas in the US, there are some companies that are almost forced to pay dividends. I mean, it's they want to keep this dividend aristocrat status and, and so on. So I don't feel like I have a home bias. My, my portfolio is 50-50 split. I had to force myself to to pick more European companies. Um, but I genuinely feel that it's more of a problem in US investors than European investors. How do you look at it yourself, uh, Tiago? Personally, I 
prefer investing in U.S. companies because I feel that I'm, my income is already primarily coming from Europe. And so it doesn't make much sense for me to put as many eggs into the same basket. And additionally, the, the broker fees, taxes, all of that, um, if I were to invest in Europe, it would be significantly more expensive. There would be more overhead there. So it's even, it's adding negative to negative. It's not a good thing, I would say. So in terms of individual stocks, I stick to the US because that's a fairly decent market. I have enough information for it. I'm familiar with the companies. And although I have considered investing in individual European stocks, I, I do need to discount uh, that home bias and the uh, additional costs that come with investing in European companies. Yeah, I think this is in general um, what you're, you're mentioning few points that uh, many investors shy away from when investing in Europe. So one is the tax rate, as an example. Uh, my my philosophy has always been to look at the uh, how you say it the dividend after tax uh, rate. And I think if you think if you compare US and Europe, I think there is already a lot of um, how you say it stock price pressure on european stocks because of these kinds of things uh, hence for me it makes it sometimes actually really nice to pick some european stocks because the yields are tend to be a little bit better or they are let's say there's maybe less volatility or not so popular in the investment world so it also gives us a little bit of an edge but definitely the management overhead reclaiming taxes and such makes it really really hard uh, at times and it's something you need to be willing to do Otherwise, investing in the U.S. is just much more easier for, from from out of Europe, let's say. Good. Thank you, Chago. Cool. Um, Alan has, has typed in a question for us. And he is only down to 103 companies, including preferred stocks. What is our max? <laughs> 103 companies that's crazy <laughs> i don't know that's that's like an etf fund isn't it it's it's i don't know how you find the time to to manage each of them I'm, i think i'm down to 24 23 or 24 companies yeah i think i have something like 32 but i given myself the space to up to 40 uh I, if it's 41 or 42 it doesn't really matter but around that i find manageable because now it's already hard so with 103 but from the other side 103 also gets you closer to this uh kind of coffee can portfolio right you just put it in there you never watch you never look back and after 20 years you you get nice surprises right so it also takes some psychology out of it because now i'm more paying attention to my stocks I might quicker sell something on bad news, although I consider myself a buy and hold investor. So there's something there um, uh, in that case. And if you think then about in the three stocks, if it's just like all the time uh, buying some attractive companies and you don't look at the um, how much you want to have of it, you only look at the dividend income out of it, it could be a really effective strategy and definitely yeah. diversified. Yeah, I think uh, is a dividend hummingbird on Twitter who, who posts constantly new companies nearly daily and then adds to his, his paddy. Um, and he made an argument during the week with that exact thing that he just buys 
quality companies he doesn't have a percentage he just keeps buying companies and it adds up over time i don't know i don't know how i feel about that personally i just i just think 100 odd companies in my portfolio is just too much for me to handle uh decline a capitalist you have your hand up yes um i saw the question from richard um about uh the choosing between dividend growth and dividend uh, yield. You both answered uh, that you prefer dividend growth, but looking into your portfolios, I uh, managed to see uh, you have a lot of high yield uh, stocks or uh, medium uh, yield, medium growth or fully grow stocks. But with a notable exception of Microsoft, I don't see any uh, low yield, high growth stocks. So what is your perspective on the really low yield, high growth stocks? Well, thank you for checking <laughs> our portfolios and doing your due diligence. I love that. This is, uh, the, so this is the Dutch directness, isn't it? Coming straight back to bite you. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but uh, spot on. I mean, yes, I like dividend growth uh, more than high yield because um, I was not saying it from the amount of what I have in the portfolio. Uh, high yield as itself, I usually get more into red flag mode. So actually, I don't have a lot of high yield, although I bought Chasnara uh, the other day for that exact reason. Because when I started looking at my portfolio, I noticed that my um, my yield is actually on the low side because of Microsoft and another one, Apple, as an example. They are both really low yield and are a significant uh, part of my portfolio, I think, in the top six. So I prefer... Uh, dividend growth as long as it's sustainable uh, rather than high yield because of the long time uh, frame that I have in front of me. That That's mainly the reason for answering that. Um, I wish that we had more high growth, dividend growth companies at a better starting yield. That's my issue because going below 1% is really for me... Um, yeah, no, it doesn't make it attractive because I think it's in 30 or 40 years for me to uh, to get some decent yield out of it, and I might be dead by then. So, yeah, yeah. From from my point of view, it, when you look at my strategy, it's to buy companies every single month. Okay, so you put in the same amount of money, and I'm buying. I'm looking to buy companies that are attractively valued. Sometimes these high growth companies that I would like are not attractively valued at the time which probably leads me down to higher yield companies in that moment. But my long-term goal would be to have more high growth. I, I, I would love to own a company like Striker, for example, that have a, a low starting yield, but high growth. But I just can't justify paying 20, 30 times earnings for, for a company like that. Yeah. And then, um, you know, when it comes to Google or Alibaba in my portfolio, it's really simple. I've dedicated 10% uh, of my portfolio to what I call mad money. So that's my my form of mad money. Yeah, for others, it's uh, investing in uh, Virgin Galactic or something like that. For me, it's in Google or Alibaba because um, I said, I, I believe that some of those companies will become dividend payers in the future. And uh, like Facebook as well, by the way, I think Facebook will be the first um, because they are going towards that maturity. Yeah, like Microsoft had in the past, Starbucks had in the past. So it's a little bit of a mix of that uh, uh, for me. No, great question. Great question. <laughs> yeah, great question.
Okay, Phil. Yes, now the first investment related question. So we talked a little bit about uh, portfolio structure. Uh, what is uh, currently your favorite industry actually and why? Okay, mine is uh, insurance at the moment. I think insurance industry is one of those undervalued industries at the moment still. So I've been adding a lot of uh, a lot of them at the moment. So I also did a post this week where I actually mentioned that I'm putting more allocation towards it. So yeah, lots of value out there. If if I look at what I've been buying over the last couple of months, it would be consumer staples. It just seems to be where I'm seeing the most value and what what I've been adding to. Um, companies like Walgreens, like Glambia, uh, Ahold, Unilever, Danone. They've been companies I've been picking up over the last few months. Now that you say that, uh, I had to tell you this, EMF. Yesterday, when I was driving through Germany, I saw a truck from Smurfit Kappa. Oh, yes. I forgot what they are selling, but I was so impressed that I saw this truck that I wanted to let you know that. They are a packaging company. Okay, so they nice. were packages, shipping something then? Yeah, yeah. Then, then, shipping something yeah. across. I, I know they have a, a bit of a global reach, um, so I'm not surprised that you see them in France or Germany. Any other questions? Rafa. Hi, guys. I wanted to congratulate you for this uh, great show that you are uh, running and uh, that is turning one year old now. Uh, I don't remember in which episode I started joining, but um, but yeah, I definitely look back and I hear the, most of them since the beginning. I want to yeah, I want to say that you are a great inspiration for the community and sharing information about the European dividend companies because uh, we already talked about today about the how the portfolio linked to the US dollar uh, base because of the stability uh, and so on. So I think I remember still when I discovered the novel novel uh, 30 index, I was like, what on the hell this guy? such a great idea that he has uh, created. I thought that he had like an ETF or something and then I read it in details and not, but I think it's a great uh, resource and uh, information on your websites. Uh, both of them are definitely a go-to uh, place when I'm uh, researching. Um, yeah, I wanted to say that and I, I have a more of a personal uh, question for you guys. I wanted to know, I was curious uh, how do you both uh, met each other and started this uh, podcast because I think you uh, you mentioned already how you uh, research and uh, lean on each other and I think you do a, a great team. So uh, yeah, that was uh, my question more on the personal note side. Yeah, we met on Twitter, believe it or not. It was just tweeting back and forwards. I think European DHI said, do you want to jump on a call? I think it was maybe a Friday afternoon. I thought, what, what the heck? Might as well. It might take 20 minutes. Might take half an hour. It must have been about two and a half hours. We just kept going and going and going. And we kind of had a brainwave then. We're kind of passionate about European stocks. We were able to chat about it. Certainly, there must be others out there like us. Will we try it out and see? We're both pretty nervous. I remember that pilot episode that we did. We were <laughs> stopping every two seconds, but that that's where it came from. It just came from Twitter, really, and then one conversation that we had. And then European DJ said, let's, let's try and make a podcast. And away we went. That's a great, uh, great story. Uh, thank you, guys. 
we're, we're reading some of the comments <laughs> that, are, that are coming in here. <laughs> Who swiped right first? European DJ did. I'm, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> But uh, thank you, uh, uh, Rafa, because um, it's really nice to see. And I think what you were mentioning in the beginning as well is really what keeps us uh, motivated. Because, you know, if it was just for us, the two of us, and nobody would be listening, we wouldn't have done this. We would have just had, had a regular chat, right? But all the engagement from the community, uh, people showing appreciation, people asking questions, uh, getting back to us with really helpful information, that's really 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 great so we see this more also as a podcast for the community that's why we are also always looking to have guests on the show out of the community we're not necessarily looking for people that uh, are i don't know famous on the twitter universe or have a gumroad uh, book or something like that we're actually looking to you guys to join us on the podcast and share your story because i think that's what we are about uh, as well um, and so that we just inspire each other to get to that moment that one of us can say financial independence right that's really what it is about for most of us here Richard so you've had lots of great guests on the show of these uh, last 52 episodes is there somebody who's active in the community or on Twitter or YouTube that you'd love to interview and get on Yes, Fran Carling, I would love to have on this on this show. We we reached out once and he tepidly agreed, but we've yet to confirm an actual date. But I would love to have him on the show just to to chat. He's he's not particularly dividend, but he's he's definitely European based and, and offers a great insight. So I'd love to love to have him here. We should all just pepper his inbox until he comes on. Yeah, I think he'd suit the show very well. Keep trying, keep knocking on the door. Okay, so what I suggest, uh, let's go to some of the listener questions, uh, EMF as well. Thank you all for, for asking those questions. We'll now bring up some of the listeners' questions, but please, if you also have a, how is it? Uh, if you also think you'll be in a great position to answer it, just chip in. The first question came from Phil. Hey, Phil. So if you could hire a bouncer for your portfolio, who would it be? Now, the question to me first, back to you, Phil, now that you're live on the show, is what is a bouncer? Yeah, so a bouncer is a doorman, right? So the guy in front of a, a nice yeah. discotheque who is, you know, keeping the bad guys out. So who would you have, who would you want to have, you know, as a guard of your portfolio to get all the bad companies away from you? <laughs> Dividend Dane, but I'm afraid that he will put only read uh, stocks into it. But it would be definitely dividend day. I trust I trust him with my money. I, I would choose a lady, the grand dame of dividends. She's ninety-five or ninety-six, has a has a wicked history in, in dividends. I'm pretty sure she would look after my portfolio. Cool. Thanks, Phil. Great question. Yeah, thanks to you too. So the next question came from Florian, and he wanted to ask, or he, he wanted to know our thoughts about the company Genuine Parts Company. Uh, he was mentioning the stock price has been going up for quite some time, and is wondering why the PE is so high, because it's over 300 per Yahoo Finance at the moment. So maybe I can take this one uh, here. So I've been looking into this company for several times over the years. Um, and that was mainly because at a certain moment had a quite decent yield. I never got into it because you know it's such a cyclical in industry. Uh, 
it um, for me it's something i don't want to burn my uh, hands on but maybe to answer florian's question also directly the the pe is just so high because it made a loss last year uh, uh, effectively um covid 19 wiped out um um uh, 15 percent or so uh, of their uh, revenue and that was translated into a uh, uh, net income of around zero so that's why the price to earnings is so high and um this is also the reason why uh, how you see it uh, why it's for me not attractive although you need to if you like cyclicals i think this could be interesting but personally i'm staying away from uh, gpc so the the next question then is from uh colin and he's asking for our thoughts about vodafone and as a dividend stock for the long term maybe this one's for you emf yeah Vod vodafone is a company that never really interested me i know they've cut the dividend before it's it's like at&t and they're a little bit unstable the market's unstable they do have some growth potential um and they're leaning on 5g as well maybe richard I think they're UK based. You might have a better idea of of the company overall, but I, I've stayed away from them. Um, as soon as I seen the, the dividend cut, I was like, I, I went no further. I, I looked into them no further. I, I spoke to Colin on this. I kind of recommended Orange. Orange are similar, as in the dividend is was choppy and the earnings were choppy. But I just believe over the next five years, Orange offer a better prospect than Vodafone. But who knows? It's it's a tricky industry. Certainly, the telecommunications in Europe. Now, I remember still when Vodafone cut the dividend and wow, there was a really high yield at the time and many, many people were disappointed with it. Uh, similar to what AT&T did now is uh, Vodafone was promising, promising, people buying into it for a dividend, then it got cut. So I think many people got burned on it. I think the only good thing they have done uh, in, in the last decade is uh, sponsoring Formula One, but I think that's about it here. So I would, again, it's not investment advice, but I would stay away as an advice. <laughs> good okay. then we have uh piotr uh one of our loyal listener listeners uh, as well and he's asking what are our plans for a second year of podcasting continuation with the current formula or are we expecting some changes i mean we are open to listening to the community and whatever if there's changes that need to happen they will happen i remember was it dividend dane or someone with the stock pick i remember we were picking the known for the first two weeks and he he wrote to us and said what's the point in that it's pointless <laughs> and, he, and he was right so we, we we made a rule not to pick the same company in in continuation and, and little things like that but we're always open to suggestions and i mean it's for the community so whatever you feel is best we will try our best to achieve and then we have the last listener question it's from let's compound and he, he is asking what to do if after a first position the stock price goes up strongly and you are unable to complete a full position sell do nothing or average up i would like to say average up but we know that's hard to do i, I would not sell first of all selling is, is not an option um i would try and average up depending on the price point yeah so what what helps me i've been fighting with this this was one of my learning points for 2021 how to average up i've been doing it so i bought some 3m at a higher price uh, earlier this year around 170 and i started to look more at the valuations the fair value prices that i'm uh, assessing myself so that i make it more clinical 
when I'm in, investing uh, in this. And this has allowed me to average up a little bit, even even so that if my average price for Microsoft is $60 that I bought for my kids for $250. So I think that's quite, uh, took me quite a lot of courage uh, from that point of view. Yeah, but it's a difficult one because I think price anchoring is such a strong psychological um, thing in our minds that we will always remember the discount that we once got. It's like going to the supermarket. If you once knew that you bought the, bought the strawberries for uh, two euro, you don't want to pay two euro fifty anymore. Yeah, and you don't even care about inflation at that time. You just want them for two euro. That that's kind of what it means for me. And the same applies to stock picking. Cool. Kaylin has got another question for us, and one for you in particular is, why did you adjust your exposure to the energy sector? Why? Um, uh, you know, I think I had a bias towards the energy sector, uh, a positive bias, because uh, I've been working a bit in the energy sector in the past. So um, um, what made me what made me at a certain moment change is that i think we have seen peak oil now um from that point of view and you know the, the facts are for me simple like that we will still need oil for many many decades to come yeah but i've i didn't expect that something like COVID 19 and such will actually um bring a lot of those uh actually bring bring the time forward yeah if, if you saw all what was happening last year, working from home, uh, we are now in a new reality. So that's why I became less bullish on the energy sector, because there's one thing here. If you look at the business model of a company like Shell, I think 90% uh, of their um, investments are joint ventures with co countries. Yeah? So if they're not having sole uh, proprietary on the, on the assets that they have in a certain country. It's all a joint venture with a national agency. And that's where they have a, a revenue sharing agreement and all these kinds of things. And it's it's like really nice because effectively you have a monopoly once you win the contract. But try to get the same profit or return out of solar en energy, which is effectively for free. So I think the whole grid is changing, the energy supply is changing, and I don't see the same kind of uh, profitability um, in the future for those kinds of new energy sources. So. That's one of the reasons why I downgraded my exposure to the energy sector. It, it effectively means in practice that I'm not adding more to what I have already because uh, it's for me now in the tier four kind of uh, tier three exposure. Cool. And the follow-up to that question was, do I also have a spring um, cleaning stock event? Typically, yes. Uh, this time last year, I had over 40 stocks. I, I kind of noted and documented I followed the dividend growth investor for a period of time and had stocks like Waco and, and companies that I just didn't want in my portfolio. I've trimmed it down to 24 stocks, 23, 24. Um, I have room for 32, so I will be hopefully sitting down to reevaluate my portfolio this month and will write about it on my blog, hopefully if I have some time. Okay, um, Dividend Dane asked a question. We know Mrs. EDJ put her foot down on tobacco stocks. What about Mrs. E EMF? Is she involved in any way in the portfolio? Um, no, she's not. She just asked me how much it's worth, and that's it. <laughs> okay, uh, Decline of Capitalist, you mentioned 
the journey of altering from US to European stocks, do you plan to expand your diversification to Asia? It's a good question. At the moment, I don't. It's it's not on my radar. Um, maybe European DJI is, but I, I don't know. It's not something I've I've considered at the moment. No, I, I, I it would take me so much time to start learning about uh, those markets and companies. Uh, I don't have the mind space for it at the moment. Um, I would love to, if I had twenty four hours a day uh, that I could focus on investing, I would probably explore this option because I think there are some great Asian dividend stocks uh, that I've been seeing passing by. Okay. So thank you all for these great questions. It's really nice to see you also in person, uh, at least via via call. And um, maybe we should start uh, going to the last section of this um, of this show and talk about the stock pick. Yeah, I think you're up this week, I believe. Yes, because you were last week, right? Oh no, yeah. Phil. Okay. Anyway, um, well, you know, there's only one stock that I could pick for our anniversary, and guess which it is. <laughs> everybody is doing everybody is guest yeah it's it's Danone so uh why Danone it's really simple they have I, I actually did see nobody mentioning it but they have a new CEO yeah his name is um what is it I forgot the name who, who cares um but he was CEO at Barry Calabo or something like that um and I looked up a little bit about his performance. He started there in 2015 um, until now, effectively. He doubled the share price. So that was already a good sign. And he grew the company quite nicely. And he has a French name, so it probably fits well under the known culture as well. But what I also um, uh, like about this now that there's clarity, right? The, there's a new CEO. He gets the time. So he will be now joining the two uh, interim CEOs until September and then 15 September he will start his job now why am I picking Danone here besides the CEO as well as I think what I've seen around me is that the economies are reopening in Europe uh, tourists are going to travel again people are talking about going on vacation and we all know that the one of the things with Danone that was really an issue was the um, uh, how I said was the water business being down due to restaurant closures well restaurants are open now in many countries in Europe, at least the outsides of the restaurant. But I was in Germany last week and you can actually go also inside as long as you do a quick uh, test in front of it, uh, which you do in a few minutes and you can dine, have dinner inside. So I see this as reopening and I think the stock price hasn't really massively uh, recovered yet since the COVID-19 impact. So if you think about a new CEO Plus, hopefully, the water business uh, picking up again. I think we will see some, uh, some. Uh, how is it? Over the next half year, some price appreciation as well. If you're interested in that, I think the dividend is safe with a new CEO. It, we will have to wait a little bit until later this year to see what this person's commitment is uh, to the dividend, of course. But I think we have a floor in the dividend from from here going forward. So that's my stock pick for today. It trades, I think, around the. Price to earnings of 18 based on the uh, 2020 figures. So I expect the 2021 figures a little bit to be better. Cool. A very apt company to pick on the first year anniversary. Um, so that's it. That's it for the show. Um, thanks a million to all you guys for showing up. 
asking us questions and, and getting involved. It's been great having you all here. It's been a great experience to us live for the first time. Um, so thanks a million. And as always, thanks a million to you, European DJ. Yeah, likewise. And, you know, happy birthday. Happy birthday. We'll see you all next week. <laughs>